Yep, that's a, that's a challenge one there, right there. Last Sunday we were in Revelation chapter 17. Uh, we saw the rise of a religious system, a false religious system uh, called Babylon. Uh, the system that the satanic trinity used as its instrument, look at verse 6, Revelation 17, to slaughter likely millions, millions of Jesus followers. Uh, so the satanic trinity used this Babylon religious system as its instrument to uh, slaughter, martyr millions of Jesus followers in the seven years of tribulation. What's interesting, we saw last week at the conclusion of uh, the seven years, after they've used uh, this Babylon system, look at verse 16. The beast, the Antichrist, uh, uses, abuses the religious system and then turns and rips it apart, literally tears it to shreds. Uh, it says that after the beast had used the harlot, the prostitute, Babylon, it then turns on the false religious system and destroys her. Today, Revelation 18 is the autopsy of Babylon. I think uh, if you uh, watch much TV today, uh, it, you can't hardly get away from an autopsy. Uh, there's shows all over and they're showing autopsies everywhere. Uh, Autopsy, I looked it up, is the examination of a corpse to determine the cause and manner of death. And that's what we're going to do with Babylon today. We're going to look at this, this fallen, dead system, and we're going to examine the corpse and determine the cause and why Babylon died. Um, here's what you need to understand. Revelation 17, Revelation 18... Same subject, Babylon, but John switches the illustration, okay? Track with me just for a minute. Uh, chapter 17, he refers to her as a prostitute, as a harlot. Uh, Babylon is being used. Chapter 18, Babylon is seen as this great city. Babylon is seen as this amazing economic powerhouse. But, but I just want you to under, understand, it's the same. It's Babylon. It, it's just switching the illustrations from chapter 17 to chapter 18. But before we go to chapter 18, I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. Would you please? You're going to go to your left. You've got your Bible with you. And uh, turn to your left before Revelation. Hey, Jude, wave at it. 3 John, 2 John, 1 John. Yep, that's where you want to be. 1 John chapter 2. So before we jump into the autopsy of Babylon, I want to show you what Babylon is all about. Uh, I want to show you uh, that the belief system that's represented by Babylon is not something that's confined to the future. We'd like to think that. Oh, this is, this is just something that's going to come on the scene uh, during the tribulation. Please listen close. The spirit of Babylon is alive and well in 2015. This isn't just a future thing. 
This is a right now thing. I begin with a quote from C.J. Mahaney in his book entitled Worldliness. Worldliness, excuse me. C.J. writes, Today the greatest challenge facing Bible-believing American Christians is not persecution from the world, but seduction by the world. Our greatest challenge isn't that we're getting persecuted today, it's that we're being seduced by Babylon. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon said of his day, the late 1800s, this is amazing, Spurgeon said this about his time, late 1800s, I believe the reason why the church of God has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. Uh, David Platt, author of the best-selling book, Radical. Uh, you want to know who the up-and-coming preacher is right now? Write his name down, David Platt. He's a pastor at Brook Hills Church, Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, if, if he stays close to the Lord and doesn't do something stupid, you're gonna, that name will be more and more known. I'm just telling you. Uh, the website Radical lists off his sermons, powerful stuff. Still a young man in his early 30s. God's using him. Anyway, here's what he says. The reality is that we live in a day and an age where you cannot tell where the world ends and the church begins. Uh, that's the spirit of Babylon at work today, and it's affecting us. Here's the spirit of Babylon. I want to do it my way. I want to do it with me in charge. I want to be on the throne. Um, it's all about my three favorite people, and my three favorite people for most of us are, list them with me, me, myself, and who? And I like I, too, pretty well, okay? That's the spirit of Babylon. It's all about me. And I want you to know today, 2015, USA, Northern Michigan, we are swimming in a sea of Babylon. Babylon is all around us. Uh, study after study by Barna and Gallup shows that the lifestyles of professing Christians look just like, behave just like those who believe in nothing but Babylon. Uh, we are just as materialistic. We are just as sexually immoral. We are just as self-centered as the world around us. That's the fact. The spirit of Babylon that's destroyed in Revelation 18 is to quote the words of Frank Sinatra's number one greatest hit. Anybody know what was Frank Sinatra's greatest hit by far? What was it? My way, my way. You know, I, I would just challenge you. I, I was going to, I don't have time, but type up in Google words to my way. <sighs> I'm just telling you. you. You read it, and you, really? That, that's, and I'm just telling you that it's my rules, it's my agenda. I did it my way. I called the shots. I'm in charge. I did it my way. That's the spirit of Babylon, which is why it's so dangerous to Christ followers in the church in the United States. The spirit of Babylon, give me your eyes, is contagious. And if you're around people that are indulging daily in the spirit of Babylon, you'll, you'll catch it. You'll catch it. It's selfish, my way, proudful, 
I want to do it when I want to do it, and man, am I going to do it, and, and I'm proud of it. That's Babylon at work. Our spending habits are almost identical to the people who don't ever go to church. Did you know that in the church today? Our giving patterns are almost identical. Um, let me give you a little statistic. Uh, any guesses? What percentage of people would you guess in a church like ours, Bible-believing, Jesus-focused, cross-centered church, uh, on average, 6% of us just give a tithe? 6%. 6. What about the other 94? 6%. I'm just telling you, we spend money on the same things the world spends money on. We're just as sexually immoral. Here's a statistic that I don't care for, but it's true. The percentage of Christian men in Bible-believing churches like ours who view pornography is almost exactly the same percentage as men who never enter the door of a church. Same percentage? Yeah. Sexual activity outside of marriage, according to Barna and Gallup, uh, having sex with somebody who's not your husband or your wife, almost the same. We're, we're just about that much behind the world around us on that non-Christians non in the world. And in marriage, this one kills me, we are just as likely to divorce in the church. Bible, I'm not talking about other, I'm talking Bible-believing, Jesus-focused church. Our divorce rate is just as high as people who never, ever go to church and want nothing to do with Jesus. We give up on our marriages at the exact same rate. Actually, a few studies suggest that maybe slightly higher rate of divorce in Bible-believing churches. Abuse in marriages, you know, where, where physically, emotionally, verbally, we're beating each other up, beating up our spouses, just as common amongst Christians. I'm just telling you, Babylon is a cancer in the church of Jesus Christ. Babylon is eating us up. Babylon is, is literally destroying us. Um, David Platt continues, the priorities of professing Christian parents for their children, virtually identical to the priorities of non-Christian parents. Teaching our kids that, oh yeah, sports and entertainment, and, and you got to be a person of great influence, that's what's most important in life. He says, we spend hours in practices for this or that. We spend hours playing video games on the computer. We spend hours in front of the television, and we spend minutes at most in prayer and in God's Word with our children. And we wonder why. We wonder why once our, our children hit 18, give me your attention, this, this one kills me. 60 to 80% of our children, once they hit 18, will exit the church and they want nothing to do with Jesus or the church again. That's, that's Bible-believing churches. We lose 60 to 80% of our kids. Do I, do I have your attention yet? Uh, the spirit of Babylon, even in the church, is alive and well. I'll obey the Bible when it's convenient. I'll, I'll obey God's word 
when it's on my terms, I'll spend my money. And if I have a little left over, I might tip the Lord. Maybe, maybe not. I'm going to use my resources as I see fit. That's the spirit of Babylon. 1 John chapter 2. Dan, can we put it up there? Verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. <laughs> That's kind of uh, all-encompassing, isn't it? Do not love the world or anything in the world. Uh, by the way, he's not telling us not to love the people of the world because we know for God so loved the what? That he gave his only begotten son. So he's not talking about people here. Look back at verse 15. So when he's talking about do not love the world, he's not saying don't love lost sinners because Jesus came to earth for lost sinners. So if Jesus loves lost sinners, so must we. What John is saying is we're not to love and chase after the stuff the world chases after. Does that make sense? We're not to uh, be controlled by the stuff that Satan uses to control the world. The church of Jesus Christ is supposed to look different. You understand? We're supposed to speak with words that are different than people who don't know Jesus. Our spending should look different than the spending of people who, who don't have Jesus Christ front and center in their lives. Our parenting should look different. Our values with our kids, what we want them to grow up to be and be all about, should be different. Our marriages should look different in the church. Can you see I'm working up a little bit? Uh, our purity should be different in the church. But here's the truth. It's not. Our lives shouldn't look the same as my way people. But it does. Why? Because we love Jesus more than this world. Look back at verse 15. Babylon's all about I'm taking care of me. Verse 15, do not love the world or anything in the world, because if you love the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. If you're all about this world and chasing after the world, not people, but what this world is all about, that's a bad sign. Worldliness is not a matter of externals. Uh, you got to do these four things to not be worldly and avoid these 57 things. That's not what worldliness is all about. Are you ready? Worldliness is a matter of the heart. My way, it's an inner attitude of pride and selfishness. Babylon is all about me and what I want and when I want it, and I'm going to do it, and I really don't care what you think. How do we know that? Look at verse 16. Here we go. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, that's all internal things, comes not from the Father, but from what? This world. Verse 17, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now, here's what's interesting. The same man that the Holy Spirit inspired to write these words is the same man who the Holy Spirit inspired to write down the picture, the vision, 
that we call Revelation chapter 18. Isn't that interesting? So, so this is John's words, the Holy Spirit used to get them down on paper, and now we're going to go to Revelation 18, and it's the same Holy Spirit-inspired man. And today we're going to see this world is passing away, going to remind us of deception, of this dangerous world we're living into. And, and I want you to understand the background. He's writing to Christians in Revelation 18 who saw the power of Rome. They saw the luxuries and the wealth of Rome. They heard about the pleasures and the sexuality of Rome. And they were being pulled and drawn toward the my way Roman world, just like we're pulled and drawn. This isn't so bad, do you think? It, it, it looks pretty good, is what they were saying. Uh, is this wealth and this pleasure so really awful? Are looking at these images really so bad? Is getting out of a difficult marriage all that much of a problem? Is getting bigger and nicer and newer and flashier stuff so bad? Again, I think I'm just going to do it my own way. I want to make up my own rules. I'll call my own shots. I'll be my own boss. You've bought into Babylon. Welcome to Babylon. Stand with me. We're going to read the first three verses. and We'll get to the whole chapter. Revelation 18. Here we go. Read with me, please. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. What a mighty voice he shouted. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She's become a great dwelling for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we need help today. Uh, we need you to come and settle in your church, please. Renew our minds through uh, the passage in 1 John 2 as well as Revelation 18. Lord, this world shouts its message and opinions, its priorities at us from a thousand directions. And the truth is, Lord, we're bombarded daily. We're listening, we're hearing, and Lord, we need your help. Today, we need the mind of your Son, Jesus Christ. Adjust our attitudes. I'm asking that we'll line up our thinking and our behavior with what your book says, with your priorities, with your plans. May uh, your word have freedom today to cut deeply to the core of our beings. Teach and rebuke and correct and train us in righteousness. That's what I'm asking for. We invite your Holy Spirit, Lord, to take charge today in your, in your church. We ask that your son Jesus would come and sit on the throne of each and every one of our hearts, even right now. It's the place he deserves in all of our lives each and every day. And all the church at Walloon said, ready to hear and respond. You may be seated. 
I didn't have this written down, but I, I think I need to say, because I can tell I'm already worked up. <laughs> uh, I love each and every one of you. I'm, I'm, I, I, I couldn't be more proud to be here at Walloon. You're the best. I love you, but I guess I love you enough to give you even the hard stuff. Uh, verses 1 to 3, like Humpty Dumpty, uh, Babylon's going to take a great fall. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. He had a couple angels participating, uh, rolling out the bowls of wrath. Now this is another angel. And notice this other angel with a mighty voice shouts, Fallen, fallen, emphasis twice, is Babylon the Great. She's become a dwelling for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. Mighty Babylon, my way thinking, I'm in charge of me, suddenly has gone what? Splat. And, and it's gone, and it's empty except for demons and, and, and a few uh, wild animals, it seems to indicate. Uh, this saying says, the bigger they are, what's, how does that come? The bigger they are, how does it go? Well, that's what happens here. Verse 3, every nation has gotten drunk on Babylon. Um, Babylon began back in Genesis chapter 11. We talked about that last week. Recall Genesis 11. Um, they get off the ark. They gather in Babel. And they decide, hey, we're going to build this really amazing tower. And, and it's going to be a shrine to mankind and his achievements. And hey, look at us. Aren't we amazing? Aren't we wonderful? And they sort of create their own little man-made monument to themselves. A man-made religious system begins right there in Genesis 11. That, that's the spirit of Babylon. We can do it. I can do it. I'm in charge. Uh, i am be my own god. I'll call my own shots. Uh, selfish, looking out for me, thinking, is contagious. Verse 3. For all the nations have drunk. It's maddening. This, this, this my way religion is contagious and addicting and all-consuming. And I'll say it again, in 2015, the spirit of Babylon is alive and well in America. Uh, in the flesh, think about it, in the flesh, I want to do it my way. I want what's good for me. I'm looking out for me, myself, and I. That's the default position for all of us in the flesh. How many of you moms ever had to teach your children how to be selfish? Can I see your hands? Okay, now, don't share and don't, don't give any of your toys to, to your brother. No, you don't have to teach a child to be selfish. Why is that? Because the spirit of Babylon is the spirit of the flesh. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it's the way of death. That's the my way attitude. I've, I'm born with it. It's downloaded on my heart at birth. Downloaded on your heart at birth. 
It's the old sin nature, and it comes naturally. Verses 4 to 8 are a warning about Babylon. Given to us, the church, and please understand, he's really not writing here, it's too late for these folks, they're not even going to know that this was written. He's writing to the early church, he's writing, I think, especially to the church in America, 2015, verse 4. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people. Come out of, who's the hurt? Babylon. Come out of Babylon, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled high up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. I'm just telling you, uh, come out of her is the message from Jesus to his church today. Come out. My people who belong to me, we have no business swimming in the sewage of Babylon. No, no business. Look at verse 5, and it's everywhere. It's piled high to the sky. It's contagious, and every religious system except biblical Christianity is rooted in, I'll earn it, I'll deserve it, I did it my way. I did it my way. I won't sing it because I won't do it justice. You know what? I've grown to hate that song. That is the song of hell. And anybody, uh, we won't go there. Uh, just going to say, don't even ask to have that played at a funeral. I, I'll tell you the answer already. Uh, verse 6, give back to her as she's given. Pay her back double. For what she's done, pour her double portion. That's what the Lord's going to do here. Give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart, look at the boast. I'm a queen. Look at me. I'm not a widow. I don't mourn. I'm not going to cry. That's the spirit of Babylon. I don't cry. Stand up. Therefore, in one day, her plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning, famine. She'll be consumed by fire. For the mighty is the Lord God who judges her. In a single day, verse 8, the Lord's going to knock my way flat, consumed by God's judgment. Now, I just want to pause here. There are two faiths at core in this world, and that's been true down through history. Okay? Submission to Jesus Christ and the cross, choosing to follow and submit to God's word, the Bible. That's option number one. And then there's this other proud, selfish, I'll do it my way, I'm going to make up my own rules, I've got regulations. It's a proud attempt in religion at being good and doing good and earning good stuff. That's my way, Babylon thinking. Now, I want you to notice how the world reacts when what they've given their hearts and lives to goes splat. Uh, when everything they've, they've trusted in goes splat, uh, I, I want you to notice how they respond. Verse 9, When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with Babylon, with her, shared her luxury, see the smoke of her burning, they will what? Weep and mourn, terrified at her torment. They'll stand far off and and cry, whoa, whoa, to you great city, you mighty city of Babylon. 
in one hour. Your doom has come. They weep and terrified and cry, and it's gone. It's vanished. And now we get an inventory of all the fine things that they're going to miss, and they're crying over. Verse 12. They're missing cargoes of gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, scarlet cloth, every kind of uh, citron wood, articles of every kind made of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron, marble, cargoes of cinnamon and spice, of incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, human beings sold as slaves. They'll say the fruit you long for is gone from you. All your luxury and splendor vanished, never to be recovered. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off terrified at her torment. They'll weep and mourn and cry out, Woe, woe to the great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, glittering with gold, precious stones and pearl. In one hour, such great wealth has what? Been brought to ruin. Every sea captain traveling, sailors, they travel the world over, will stand far off. They'll see the smoke of her burning. They'll exclaim, was there ever a great city like this? They'll throw dust on their heads. They'll weep. They'll mourn. They'll cry. Woe, woe to you, great city, where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her wealth. In one hour, she's gone. <laughs> they lose everything. Look at verse 14. Never to be recovered again. Never. People mortgaged everything in their lives for Babylon. And now it's gone. You tracking? <laughs> And they're crying. Verse 15, all the great cities of the world, all the great hubs of my way religion have vanished. New York City, it's gone. Las Vegas, gone. New Orleans, gone. Paris, pick your favorite. Tokyo, Rome, London, gone. All the hubs of, we'll do it our way, they're one hour ruined. I quote uh, Pastor James McDonald said about this section, every righteous choice we make will be rewarded on this day. On this day, every righteous choice you and I in the church make, it'll be rewarded, and every selfish choice to follow Babylon will seem so foolish. <laughs> really? Verse 20, we get back in the picture here. I like this. Verse 20, Jesus followers, here we are. Okay, we're back on the scene. Rejoice over her, you heavens. Rejoice, you people of God. Rejoice, apostles and prophets, for God has judged her with the judgment she imposed on you. Okay? Listen, there's going to be joy. There's going to be cheering in heaven when this day happens. When Babylon goes splat, the people of God are going to rejoice. My way is ended. Babylon is dead. And we're going to be up there cheering. Really? Yes. How do you know? Well, look at verse 20. Uh, it doesn't lie. They're going to be rejoicing when we see the system go splat. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Verse 21. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone, threw it into the sea. With such great violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down 
never to be found again. The music of harpists and musicians, pipers and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. Here, here's a note. Have you ever heard somebody say, oh, I can't wait to get to hell. It's going to be one party, and I'm telling you, uh, all these great bands are going to be there. It's going to be wonderful. Look at verse 22. There is no music in hell. There's no sing. You lost your voice. There are no instruments in hell. Sorry. Uh, it's, it's going to be bad. Uh, verse 23, there's no light in hell. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. It's eternal darkness. Verse 23, the voice of the bridegroom and the bride will never be heard in you again. You merchants were the world's important people. Who's the bridegroom? Who's the bridegroom in Scripture? Anybody? Jesus Christ, okay? So my way shouts, Jesus, leave me alone. Now look at the last part of verse 23. Jesus listens to their request, and they're never going to hear his voice again. He, he listens, and never again will they hear the bridegroom's voice. Never. By your magic, all the nations were led astray. Verse 24. In her was found the blood of prophets and of God's holy people, of all who've been slaughtered on the earth. Babylon selfish, man-centered, my way, I'm my own God thinking, tears apart, more marriage. It is the cause of marriages that disintegrate. It is at core what destroys friendships. It is what fractures and divides churches. Humpty Dumpty has, has crashed into a zillion pieces and all the world in tears cannot put Babylon back together again. It's gone. That's what's going to happen to my way thinking. I quote C.S. Lewis as we close. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. But like an ignorant child who goes on making mud pies in the sewage, because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We're far too easily pleased. We're far. See, our problem isn't that we want too much. The problem is we settle for too little. We're, we're, we're content making mud pies and eating out of the dumpster out of the back when Jesus says, uh, you can have eternal life you can daily come and dine with me. And we're content to just make mud pies out of the sewage. Every one of us has a choice. Every one of us, uh, as a human being, we have a choice to make. Uh, there's no neutrality on this. I know we'd like to keep one foot here, but if you keep one foot in Babylon and one foot in Jesus and the church, you've made your choice, and it's Babylon. There is no riding the fence. Either we can love the things of this world, my way takes charge, and no, that won't last. It's temporary, and we just watch what's going to happen to Babylon. It's going to go, want to do it with me? Splat. Okay, so here's what's going to happen to Babylon. Everybody with me. Babylon is going to go, or you can choose Jesus Christ. You can dine with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
you can enjoy the pleasure and the joy of life right now and look forward to that permanent, eternal, lasting joy. Genuine, lasting joy and intimacy with Jesus Christ is available. Don't be too easily pleased. Don't be too easily pleased. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes for the next few moments, would you please? I just want to quietly uh, read again 1 John chapter 2 to you. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. I have a few questions I'd like you to consider. Just quietly, would you take these and invite the Lord to uh, do a little inventory? Since riding the fence is impossible, would you ask the Lord, Lord, am I too easily satisfied with mud pies from the sewage of this world? Am I, am I satisfied with dumpster diving for dinner when I could be daily dining with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Second question, who's, who's mostly on the throne of your life most of the time? Who's, who's calling the shots? Who's in charge of your life most days? Is it you? Spirit of Babylon in the flesh? Or is it Jesus? Is there an area of your life that you struggle to surrender? Maybe you'd say, you know, most areas doing pretty good, but there's this, this one, one hard area of, of my life that's a challenge to surrender. Have you asked the Lord to show you his path to victory and surrender for you? Final question, will you surrender afresh and anew to Christ's way for your life today, right now? body of Christ. And the reality is we're called to love and encourage and support and perhaps even challenge each other at times. Is the Lord calling you 
to do the U-turn and turn away from Babylon thinking, my way behavior that's been going on far too much in your life? Because we're family, I can't think of a better thing that if the Lord's knocking real hard and calling you to surrender anew and afresh, to invite you to do that in a public way with your family, with the community of faith, with the body of Christ. So here, here's the offer. It's up to you. Um, but if the Lord's knocking and working and, and speaking to you even right now, I'd invite you think it's healthy to move and to physically respond to the Lord. If you're invited, the, the altar is open right now. You're invited to come on up front and kneel and uh, humbly, publicly acknowledge Jesus is working. And it's time for me to fully surrender anew and afresh. You can do that right now if the Lord's knocking. And I suspect for some of you, it would be a real healthy thing to do. Anybody else? Yes. Spirit of Babylon has gotten stuck in some area of my life. some of the, uh, the leaders here at the church at Walloon. So if you're a leader, if you're a, a small group leader, if you're a, one of the uh, board members, if you're a teacher, uh, you've got some folks down here. Would you come and uh, get alongside these folks who've uh, humbly, publicly come before Jesus and his church? And uh, just pray for them. Pray with them. Maybe some of them, they need you to listen to them. Different things going on, different folks up here.
Lord, please forgive us of our stubbornness, our blindness to my way thinking. Lord, I pray for healing. I, I pray, Lord, that uh, as you've told us that your church, we would come out and we wouldn't behave or talk or think like Babylon. So take our hearts, Lord, work powerfully. Lord, we, we want Babylon to come out and for your son Jesus to shine bright through us. Not so we can look clever, but so Jesus can shine bright. In his awesome name we pray all these things. Y'all can keep on talking and praying. We normally celebrate as we leave. Today is a little different. You can quietly head out. You're dismissed.